Hey, everybody, before we begin today's episode, I know I told you all that I was going to do an NOL year in review. It's been one year since I launched this podcast, and I thought I would give some clips of some of my favorite episodes, but I figured, why am I going to do all of that editing work when you guys can just go and listen for yourselves? Go back in iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, I'm all over streaming stations, and also, of course, the LadyFoxEntertainment.com website on the listen page. You can go through the archives, listen to some of the episodes that I launched with, like Buck Angel, J.P. Sears, Lindsay Astasi of Rage Yoga, um, Diego Meraviglia of N.A. Sommelier. There's all kinds of great content in there, and I have to say thank you so much to those of you who have been listening to me and my guests, my amazing guests, for the past year, and welcome to those of you who have just discovered this amazing podcast, if I must say so myself. Uh, I encourage you to go and check out some of the older episodes. Definitely a great variety of topics there. So go ahead and learn and be entertained at the same time. The mission of Nothing Off Limits. And now onto a current episode with the awesome Michael Shine of Microfame Media. Do you like to learn about random wild stuff? You know, the things you didn't think you needed to know about, then realize you should. Then welcome to Nothing Off Limits, the podcast that gives you one place to go for something different. Impress your next party guest with your unusual body of knowledge. And if you dig the show, get more information at LadyFoxEntertainment.com and subscribe, rate, or review. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Nothing Off Limits. I'm super excited because we're going to have a really interesting topic today. Have you read a billion marketing books hoping for top secrets to market yourself or your brand? Well, there's something else that you might want to check out. Propaganda artists and con artists. That's right. Turns out that there are some marketing tactics that we can actually learn from them. And we're going to be getting some of these cool ideas from our guest today, Michael Shine. Michael is the CEO of Microfame Media, a content marketing and strategy agency that turns consultants into thought leaders when they don't have the time or expertise to make it happen on their own. He has created or facilitated the production of content for companies such as eBay, the Medici Group, LinkedIn, Tesla, Intellect, Citrix and a lot more. He graduated from the University of Pennsylvania with honors and got his start at Spin the Bottle, the production company behind VH1 hit show Pop-Up Video. He also created, ran, and moderated the New York Tech Alliance's interactive marketing panel series and writes a weekly column for Inc., as well as regularly contributing to Fortune and Huffington Post. He's also the co-host of the popular podcast Access to Anyone, which I'm honored to have been a recent guest on. You can go to his website for a lot more information microfamemedia.com. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for having me. I am a big fan of the show. This is a lot of fun. Awesome. I know. I love how we met, too. It was like so random, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Now, I want you to share with our listeners your journey, how you got to where you are now. Yeah, that's that's always the big question, isn't it? There's always the short, medium, and long version. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) Whatever uh, you like. (laughs) I'll shoot for the short-ish version. Um, you know, I, I never wanted to run a business. That's the last thing in the world that, that I wanted to do. Uh, my father ran a business. He was always talking about business. I wanted to do something in the arts, um, mm. namely namely writing. I mean, I, I always wanted to be a writer. I was told I had some talent. Then I got into rock and roll, you know, yeah. songs, punk rock and things like that. No so, kidding. So I didn't know you were into writing music. Yeah, I, I, I was. And, um, you know, one thing led to another and I, I, you know, got a job and I fell into a job and I, um, I've, I guess I'm a 
relatively hard worker, so I did pretty well there. And before I knew it, I was at a corporate job and I was learning about marketing. Mm -hmm. And I liked the marketing part of it, but I I, um, guess I was missing some of that creativity. And I went ahead and I became a freelance copywriter. (laughs) And what I learned in doing that, I I almost went broke. I had a little bit of money saved up from some bonuses that I didn't spend. Mm -hmm. And... um, I was just really, really bad at things like cold calling. I mean, I did not know how to, you know, it's funny when you're at a corporation and you're in the marketing department, it's amazing how much those quote unquote marketing lessons don't apply when you're marketing yourself and you actually have to turn it into money. So yeah, it's a little different when it comes to you. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, I tried cold calling, I tried everything, direct mail, networking, all of these things, and, and it, it went very poorly. And I had a family at home, and we, we, we were just really scared, and it wasn't working out as, as well as I, I had thought. Um, so I started to, and I had read every marketing book and this and that, and it just wasn't doing anything for me. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I totally understand all of this. (laughs) I feel like it's like a, you know, the template for the creative artist's journey, (laughs) you know? Probably, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, anyway, so so I um, started to study a different type of person. I mean, I figured that maybe it was because I was into punk rock and and the Sex Pistols had this manager, Malcolm McLaren, who was was really like a stunt artist who got them a lot of attention by causing controversy. So I started studying people like that. And from there, I went on to studying propaganda artists and even con artists. And I realized that the principles that those kind of people used, while some of them did bad things, it was just that they they understood the way the world worked. But there were good people who used those exact same techniques for, you know, other aims like Martin Luther King was actually really good at drumming up attention and manipulating mm-hmm. media. So I started to study those things and apply them in my own career, and it started to work. And I don't mean the immoral parts. I mean, again, it, 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 we make decisions the same way whether right. we're buying good stuff or bad stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's um, the general tactic. Yeah, the strategies, the thinking, the tactics, and you know, now I own an agency. I, I it was it was really successful, um, and basically. Um, I help a lot of our clients use some of these same tactics to to bring attention to their own businesses. So now I'm I'm, I'm writing a book on the topic, and I've kind of become the uh, the hype master. I, I, I'm <laughs> hype, hype, yeah, of what I call hype. Anyway. No, I love this. Now, are you willing to dive into some of these strategies, tactics, principles that that you found over the years? First, by sharing what worked for you, and then what is now tending to work best for your clients. Uh, of course, um, and and that would be. A ton of fun. That's why I'm here. So, um, you know, you know, the two tactics that worked for me, and I stumbled into them at first, and then I studied them and and really picked apart the mechanics of why they were working. One of them was what I call cracking a click or cracking an in crowd. Okay. And the other one is um, something I call create a clan with enemies. So mm-hmm. the first thing that I did, you know, I was doing all of this stuff to try to drive web traffic and followers and this and that. And I remember I I had this moment where I wrote a blog post totally focused on what I was interested called the Ramones Guide to Copyright. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. My brother would be into that, into that totally. Well, so that's the thing. A lot of people were into it. I got a spike of traffic. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and I was really excited, and I went to bed that night. And then I woke up the next morning, and I dug into the stats. And what do you think the term that people were searching on to the find? The Ramones. Right. So that was completely useless to me. I was selling corporate copywriting. Mm-hmm. And so it just really stood out to me that um, numbers, for the sake of numbers, didn't really matter. So what I started to do instead was I honed in on on a, a hyper-focused niche. When I started, it was um, telecommunications because I had been in the call center industry. I okay. did marketing for a company that ran call centers. Mm-hmm. And I looked at the... Um, kind of influential bloggers and things like that in that niche. And then I sort of used, not sort of, I mean, I I really actively courted those people and did things like I would create on my blog a top 10 list of the top most influential, um, you know, telecom technology thought leaders Mm -hmm. um, in the space. And I would write them a letter saying, hey, you've made the list of the top 10 telecom Mm -hmm. technology, you know, son. And only if it really was, if if I really did respect them. Now, they didn't know me from Adam. I was just this random blogger. But they would say, whoa, that's such, that's fascinating. That's great. You know, (laughs) wow. wow." And so then a lot of, Everybody responds to an ego boost. Ego, ego and exposure, right? appreciation and exposure. So yes. 100%. So then I would do the interview and I would impress them, mainly because I let them talk about themselves. <laughs> and then I would say, hey, you know, let's keep in touch. And I would do some favors for them and introductions. Before long, I was at the center of this circle of people in the niche. So now instead of getting, you know, a thousand random people, I had 14 people who all knew everybody and they would spread the word for me. And, so and, you cracked yeah. a click. Yeah, you cracked the click. And it, it's Andy Warhol would do this. You know, he was he was out in the open and he'd be, you know, acting the provocateur and, you know, just just raising hell and freaking people out. But <laughs> underneath, he would constantly be massaging relationships with important people. Back to the days when he was a commercial illustrator, mm. he would bring gifts to the executive assistants of the big art directors in town. Mm-hmm. So behind the scenes, yeah, behind the scenes. So look like you're grassroots, but you can't really make it being grassroots. You got to get the power players on your side. Interesting. What's another example of cracking a click? Because in my mind, I just recently saw this documentary and it was about a, a cult leader, but he was an actor. But nobody realized that until like 25 years later, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like one of these things. And he, he, the click he cracked was a bunch of like hippies seeking spiritual samadhi. It's, it's a really common thing. I mean, a lot of people do it naturally. I mean, a, a more recent example, there's this circle of people in the, I don't know what you would call it, sort of the online entrepreneur community, mm. but it's, it's, it's Ryan Holiday, Tucker Max, James Altucher, Robert Green. Mm-hmm. There, there's about six of these guys, and they're all guys, and they all appear on each other's stuff. So you mm-hmm. know, Ryan Holiday was Ro- was Robert Green's research assistant as a young kid. His first job was with Tucker Max, who he met through um, Robert Green. You know, James Altucher is friends with Tucker Max who introduced him to Ryan Holiday. So there's this clique of people who are constantly building each other's fame. And as a result, you know, Ryan Holiday releases a book, or no, a better example, Tucker Max created this new company called um, Book in a Box. 
And he, he didn't know marketing at all. He called up all these people and said, put me on your podcast. And he basically made the rounds of all these podcasts. And he's basically, he was basically charging $20,000 a thing. And he sold 600 in about a month. Wow. Totally. Yeah, you know what? I see that yeah. a lot. I see that a lot. The guy who has Bulletproof Coffee has been mm-hmm. going back and forth with Tim Ferriss and exactly. with his book. Yeah, and I see it all over Instagram all the time. So everyone is trying to build these big followings. But the fact of the matter is the people who are really doing well have a circle mm-hmm. that they're connected to. But there's a way to crack the circle. It's not everyone, oh, I don't know people. It's who you know. I mean, we, we have a client that um, we – Basically, the director of fo- photography of Pixar, um, we wanted to have on her show because she's awesome, you know, yeah. Danielle Feinberg, but she's a big deal. And we did. We, we, we said, we're a big fan of your, or she wrote an email, I'm a big fan of your work. We're featuring the top 10, you know, new media pioneers, which she believed she was one. Now, this is the main cinematographer at Pixar who does all of the computer lighting for the movies, you know, wow. two hours she got back to us and she said, it is so nice to be appreciated. I'm always behind the scenes. So awesome. He now knows her. And so it works. This it stuff works. works. Well. Yeah, it works I'm interested well. in some of the bad sides of it though. <laughs> Tell us yeah. more about like the cult leaders, the con artists that like, what have you found in your research over the years? So that the people out there listening could be like, holy crap, they did use that, that strategy or that, or that tactic. So people, are not rational and they don't respond to rational arguments. So basically, I have found that especially when people are feeling a void in some way or insecure in some way Mm -hmm. or humiliated in some way or not feeling great about how things are going in certain areas of their life, they will try to piggyback on something bigger than themselves, some cause, some group identity mm-hmm. in order to feel better about themselves. And usually it is something very nonspecific that they can put their whole meaning into. So, um, you know, one example is, is make America great again. Um, that is a phrase that's very, very loose. I mean, <laughs> yeah, good it, word. It means very little. I mean, it means um, it, it's, it, it means, it's yeah, very, what's interesting, Michael, yeah. is that you do know exactly what that you know. You know, you know yeah. what it's associated with. It depends who's listening. Mm-hmm. For people who are of a certain bent, it means go back to a time when people didn't have the ability to run their mouths off, as they would say, a certain subset of people the same way that they can now. For mm-hmm. other people, it means a substitute for their own lack of greatness. For other people, it literally is taken at face value. Make America great again. We've been struggling for the last few years, you know, and and, and, and now we're not. Mm-hmm. But what it isn't is go look at my website for specific policy proposals. Right. You know? So how is this um, used in a negative way but is effective? You said it's filling a void. If somebody has there, – there's a great book called The True Believer by Eric Hoffer. And it was it was um, President Eisenhower's favorite book. And the guy who wrote it, it was a bestseller at the time, even though it's pretty dense. It's a thin book. And the guy who wrote it, Eric Hoffer, was a longshoreman. He was completely self-educated. And what he basically says is that the people that mass movements are all the same. 
it doesn't matter what the details are. So whether it's Nazism, whether it's the civil rights movement, whether it's Christianity, whether it's, you know, the satanic church. (laughs) Yeah, whatever it is. It basically is when people are feeling a void in the presence, someone offers them the promise of something great in the future and pits them against an external enemy. Mm -hmm. So the only thing keeping you back from the golden dawn is X. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we can we know why that causes problems i mean you know you, you know all your problems are because of this racial group or all your problems are because of this political party right but a person doesn't have an enemy doesn't have to be a person an enemy can be an idea i mean to give you an example from my own career i mean coming full circle i wrote an article early on in my career that that made all the difference. And there's this gentleman out there that I'm sure a lot of your listeners have heard of called Gary Vaynerchuk. Yes, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, Really talented guy, you know, worth a whole lot of money, has a great business. Um, That being said, he gives a lot of advice. He he tells a lot of young people who are really aspirational that he says, um, can I curse on this show? Oh, yeah, go for it. Stop fucking making excuses and that kind of stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, he says that, but he, he also says, he's like, I get up in the morning and at three in the morning. And the first thing I do is I sit on the toilet and I tweet while I'm taking a shit. <laughs> oh, God. So I was looking at this and I was saying, you know, this is ridiculous because this guy is is not, you know, he, he had a wine store, an online wine store, but he wasn't making the wine. What if you had to make the wine? Mm-hmm. He was just, I wrote this article called Why Gary Vaynerchuk Was Flat Out Wrong. Mm-hmm. And I made the point that this doesn't work for everyone, that this creates bottlenecks. And I basically, I didn't lambast him as a person, but I set his ideas of doing everything yourself as the enemy. And I made my point of view that you need to build systems. Well, two things happened. So this was not a race. This was not anything malignant. You know, it was a set of ideas that I disagreed with. Mm -hmm. It basically kicked off my career. I mean, that night, Gary Vaynerchuk recorded a rebuttal video. He was very <laughs> agitated. I mean, he was sweating. He was really agitated. It was like what a compliment you know, to you. That must it have was been great. flattering. Yeah, it was fantastic. Then that night, his followers, the Vaniacs, were trolling the crap out of me on Twitter. <laughs> but I woke up the next morning. I had you know fifty five new Twitter followers, and it basically kicked off my whole career. Yeah. So, By positioning myself against something that was a mainstream point of view, Mm -hmm. that allowed people who felt the same way to coalesce around me. They didn't have an organizing principle. Yeah. Now they had me in the center. (laughs) And that was, there's always going to be people who go against something, but might be afraid to speak up. So they need that leader. Right. People, we want a leader, you know, we're, we're primates. I mean, we really are. That's a great story. And I love that you did that. What has happened (laughs) since then? Has, has Gary V reached out to you any further? Has he tried to be friends with you? (laughs) Yeah, no. I mean, it's funny though. I, um, he... Went back and forth with me for a while. His followers did the thing. This was a while ago. Then um, I think I actually saw one of his followers wrote, Gary wants me to back off, so I'm backing off. Which proved to me, Gary, Gary's smart. You know, he, he knows the aesthetics. He knows what's at play. He knows that if his followers keep hammering me, 
It's just going to drive more attention to me. So then what happened was we did. He followed me on Twitter. I actually interviewed or one of my clients interviewed him on a podcast. Um, I heard through the grapevine that he was talking about me, probably saying, you know, who, who, who knows? You know, who, who, but no, I mean, it's, you know, he knows how the game is played. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And he had his own marketing tactics, which is to be like completely over the top, you know, very loud, very boisterous. You know, that's the approach that he took. He is a complete hype. I'm not. So, again, a hype artist doesn't mean you don't have the stuff to back it up. Mm-hmm. But everything he says, that's another one, is indefinite. You know, definite. You know, here, here's a funny story. So I wrote a book when I was young. And it was a teenage driving manual, a humorous driver's manual. Okay. And it got published and it sold nothing. It was, it, 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 you know, it was cool to get it published, but, mm. but you know, it, it, it didn't really soar. It almost did, though, and I messed it up. So basically, I was in my college dorm room in freshman year. And this is when you had, a, you had to be in your room to get a phone call. And I pick up the phone and someone goes, this is whatever from the Oprah show. I kid you not. Wow. Out of the blue, just randomly on my phone. So I said, uh, wow. I can't believe they found you. That's awesome. It it was crazy. And I, I, to this day, kick myself about how miserably I handled this. So they basically said to me, we're doing an episode about whether the driving age should be raised to 17. What do you feel about that? Now, the staff of the Oprah show knows that they want me to take a position Mm-hmm. But I said, well, on one side, I think that it can be uh, give you more time to learn. And on the other side, it could be blah, blah. So they said, OK, thank you. We'll talk to you again. And they never called me again. Aha. So in other words, people want absolutes. Our brains crave absolutes. You can talk all day long so about pick a how- side. Pick a side. I mean, people will accept lies. I mean, I, I keep going back to the president, not because of politics, but he has he, he's doing a, arguably a lot wrong right now. But the man is a master at hype. You will literally tell a bold faced lie and say it confidently. Yes. And people will believe it. Yeah. Like if you have to pick between confidence and truth, pick confidence all day long. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, give us an example of how you've taken some of these really interesting ideas and approaches and use them for a client without having the client freak out knowing where they come from. Or do you just not tell them? I tell them. I mean, I I, I frame it in a way. I mean, so the thing is, I, I think that hype is one of the most creative, generative forces in history. And, 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 I'll tell you why. I don't, you know, it, it, sure, bad people use it. Um, and untalented artists use it. And untalented artists use it. That being said, very talented and creative people use it. There is not mm. one, you know, there, there was a book I read that everyone, not everyone has read, but it's a big popular book now called Sapiens by uh, Yuval uh, Noah Harari. Okay. And it's basically this summary of human history. But one of the things he says that got a lot of attention was that there used to be six species of human beings on the earth. And at the same time, and we won, we probably annihilated them all. And the reason we were able to win wasn't because of language or this and that. There was probably a mutation in Homo sapiens brains at some point that made us able to create mass fictions. So basically, and money being one of them, that you can tell people there's this, this story and, you know, there's these there's these little slivers of 
metal that if you use them, you can, you know, get whatever you want. Or, you know, there's this, there's this God in the sky who wants us to get on rafts and sail across the ocean to Australia, you know? Mm -hmm. So that is literally our human, the thing that makes us the dominant species. So there's nothing that exists on earth that would have existed beyond without hype. I mean, the railroads were a product of hype. Rock and roll was a product of hype. Um, the skyscrapers were a product of hype. So it is literally the creation of these fictions and the framing of these fictions that make things happen. Mm -hmm. So, and I think all the Jetsons, the Jetsons are a product of hype. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, what we have today is a product of the hype created around the Jetsons (laughs) and how cool everything was. I would say that's true. I would say science fiction writers created a vision of something and you had people like, you know, um, uh, Arthur C. Clarke, who actually, and Ray Bradbury, who act, actively advocated for this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Star Trek, 100%. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool to think about it in that regard, that everything kind of stems from hype. It, it really does. So you mentioned cracking a clique, creating a clan. Are there any other steps or other strategies that are used? Yeah, there are a lot. Um, you know, um, and I like telling the historical stories, but, but um, you know, one is... is um, kind of wrap your ideas, your newest ideas in something that already exists in the mm-hmm. outer of something that already exists. So okay. a lot of people will just try to introduce this great idea. So um, the, the best example is, is um, early Christianity. So if you look at both St. Paul, who, who turned Christianity, I mean, before St. Paul, Christianity was a sect of Judaism. It was very Jewish, you know, it was, um, there were a lot of types of Judaism then, and this was just a type of Judaism that believed in in that the Messiah had come. And what St. Paul did is he said, you know, um, Romans are never going to get circumcised. Romans are never going to stop eating pork, you know. And he he basically used, created a Christianity that lined up with existing Roman traditions. And then Constantine, the emperor, took it farther. He made Christianity the state religion, and he just totally packaged the pagan religion, the many gods, and all of that stuff around Christianity. I mean, you know, Jesus was not born on December 25th. He was born on some other time, but that that was a Roman holiday, the Saturnalia. You know, the saints, the gods, and the icons became saints. The the um the priests you know wear the same robes and swing the same incense and have the same so i mean the only way he was able to make this weird jewish sect those two people palatable but was by basically making it pagan and using <laughs> because think about it someone comes up with this religion and they're like act completely different than you've ever acted but if they wrap it in what's come already mm-hmm. it works and that works for everything that's interesting people, people change incrementally so wrapping something that is current into something that's already existed many that people are familiar with and understand and feel comfortable with. Yeah, it's amazing how many radical ideas or new ideas you can slip to people if it has the right wrapping paper. Mm-hmm. So how would how would then Elon Musk be getting across this whole idea of creating this tunnel, you know, like this uh, between LA and San Francisco, this fast moving tunnel? How is that with the past? Because he, guess, he we'll creates see. radical ideas all the time. I guess we'll see. I mean, that thing has not gotten traction yet. I mean, you know, 
his his most successful ideas that he made all his money from was um was it PayPal that he was involved with? I mean, yeah, PayPal was, he, was first, and then it was the Solar City thing. Well, PayPal is a perfect example. I mean, PayPal looked very much like just a tra- financial transaction tool. Mm-hmm. It just happened to be on the internet. I mean, there was nothing too revolutionary about it. And only only now, I mean, it was completely revolutionary though. But it just seemed like, yeah, instead of doing your transactions offline, do them online. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. you're banking anyway. Mm-hmm. That's where he made all his money. We'll, we'll have we'll have yet to see. You yeah. know how the hyperloop because he's cha- yeah hyperloop right and how he's changing but, but transportation. The Tesla, yeah, the Tesla. No, but the Tesla it does exactly that. I mean, Tesla basically everyone was trying to create these these hippie mobiles, you know, I mean, was trying, everyone was out there. Yeah. You know, let's <laughs> the let's hybrids. Have, yeah. The electric cars and the hybrids. And he's basically saying, I'm going to sell you a rich person's sports car. Yeah. It just so happens to be electric. And he picked and he a side, a sports car. Yeah. He picked a side. Right. He didn't say, well, we're going to do the hybrid. We'll let you guys dip your toe into electric. You know, we're going to go all the way and we're going to make it awesome. And we're going to make it slick. I mean, it's a status symbol. Yeah. It's like it's expensive. It's only for rich people. It's sleek. <laughs> yeah. You I know, know. I love those. Co- I think they're cool. Yeah. That's the whole thing. He didn't emphasize the, 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 the social part of it. He emphasized, you know, it's just another, it's just another yeah. big swing and dick thing that just doesn't happen <laughs> to have a tailpipe. You but know? you got to admit, there's so much hype around Elon Musk. And so what do you think he did? What were some approaches that he did to create that besides like, did he crack a click or did he create a clan? No, I, I, I think he did all of that. But I think his biggest thing is he created a cult of personality. I think that's one of the most popular ones. Uh-huh. I, I think if you look at the public persona, first of all, I think most successful hype kind of campaigns have a person at the center of it. I mean, we personify everything. We personify cars, you yeah. know? yeah. So I think that most successful, I mean, you know, Apple had Steve Jobs at the center of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's, you know, Henry Ford, uh, Thomas Edison, you know, these were all cults of personality and mm-hmm. dictators do mm-hmm. this. I think that the cult of personality, we want superheroes. We want a figure to follow. And these people portray themselves as godlike, you know, it's very <laughs> common for both dictators and ultra successful entrepreneurs who are, who are these kind of hype artists to talk about how little sleep they get. They're uh. always getting two hours of sleep. But that makes them superhuman. I mean, Kim Jong-il, you know, he shot, he, they literally say in Korea that he shot 18 holes in one the first day that he played golf. Wow. And it's ridiculous. That's but like it, not normal. That's not possible. It's not, <laughs> it's not the possible. odds. The odds yeah, are zero. Not, I mean, Tiger Woods can't you know i mean so my point is there there are a lot of ways to create a cult of personality you Mm -hmm. know superhuman ability getting people to work really hard on your behalf the moonies do that they make their followers work so hard that there's this psych this psychological thing that goes on that if i'm working this hard for people I can't possibly, it has to be meaningful. So Gary Vaynerchuk does that. I mean, all his followers, hustle, hustle, hustle. Yeah. You can't do anything without, because he's getting all these young kids to work their butts off for him and they they, they think he's a god as a result. Right. You know, so 
Um, it's kind of like the Stockholm syndrome thing going on. That makes me a little sick inside. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it it and can it, be used well or used to evil. Yeah, but I mean, like, that's reminiscent of like old corporate days. And I'm sure you get this since you came from that too. It's like corporations that have these like unrealistic expectations of productivity and hours that you put in. And, you know, there's like really no work-life balance or any of that kind of stuff. And I feel like that's just kind of part of our culture. I don't go for it. But then other people position themselves on the other side. So this is funny. I know someone who worked for, um, so Ariana Huffington held this conference called Thrive. The yes, Thrive yes, I remember. I remember that. Right. So the whole thing is that she's now had this revelation and she's the advocate for sleep and all of this stuff. Mm hmm. I know someone who worked there. She said that they slept about two hours a night putting on the <laughs> So she picked the other point of view. You know, I, I take a leisurely approach or like the four-hour work week. I know oh. a lot of people who have done projects for Tim Ferriss. And oh, he must be a nut. He works them like dogs. Yeah. And someone I actually know who, who, who worked for him, I said, oh, the four-hour, I said to them, I don't know if I believe the four-hour work week. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. He just makes everyone else work 19 hours a day. Oh, my God. <laughs> So that's just the other side. It's like yeah. Tim Ferriss and Ariana Huffington are so talented that they can work four hours or sleep 10 hours a night. Well, I can save a whole squad of people. Yeah, but you know, you don't hear about that, right. you know? Or right. if you do hear about that, it's a product of their intelligence that they were able to build this thing. I'm not saying that, that, that it's false. I'm not saying that they're lying. No, but, but I'm with you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And I, I do not like that there's a false sense of like what you're putting out there, you should also be applying to your company. And there are companies out there, or brands or people, influencers who do actually live by the same principles that they tout. Right? 100%. Yeah. And they use that to I mean, the guy from um, Patagonia, he drives a lot of attention because he has a very strong point of view that says we let our people go surfing. So he's the He's the other kind, you know, he's the guy who says, you, you know, work's not everything and we're here to save the planet. So he's the save the planet guy. So it's about mm -hmm. being the guy, the blank guy or the blank lady instead of, yeah, I'm a little bit of this. I'm a little bit of that. It's like you got to pick what like you are the symbol. Like people don't want a human being. They want a symbol, mm -hmm. you know, figure out what you're the symbol of. Yeah. Yeah. What are you the symbol of? I'm trying to figure that. No, I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm the, you're the hype guy. Type. You know, I mean, you know, I, I, uh, I have a, um, you know, and, and, and I'm sure I have a, a long ways to go, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm writing a book on the topic. It, it, it's, um, you know, tell us about that. Yeah. So, um, I, Very uh, exciting. it is, it's, it's, uh, it's a dream. It's really cool. Um, I have a really great agent called William Callahan, who's from Inkwell, uh, which is a great mm -hmm. agent that I, I, um, you know, a lot of some of my favorite nonfiction writers are on. And I, 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 I pitched the idea, you know, I, I wanted to write about these topics and, um, I created a book proposal and, you know, I actually, I'm not saying this to name drop. I'm not actually going to use specific names, but I know a lot of literary agents because that's part of my agency's business model. When mm -hmm. we work with, um, you know, when, when we work with clients, we help them get book deals because that's a big component of, um, actually of hype, having credibility, but it's a big component yes. of being a guru or a thought leader. But I didn't want to just kind of go to someone I happen to know. I wanted to go to the right person and the right agency for this topic. So I did the typical thing. I mean, I, I went um, to the bookstore and I looked at all the books that were similar that I wanted to kind of huh. be on level of and I found the agents. And yeah, this is some um, agent is great. He's acting, um, you know, 
sort of like an editor. I mean, we're, we're getting the awesome. proposal up to the next level. He's going to take it out. And I, I, I'm feeling really good about it. And, and the mission behind the book for the readers out there is what? You know, I want to put these tactics in the hands of the good guys. I, I really feel that this is a force. You know, I feel like the reason I was put on this planet, I was thinking about this and everything from when I was into, I always had a scheme, but it was never malicious. You know, I mean, I started this um, sort of underground newspaper at my school. I, I was always playing in bands and doing crazy like stage shows. And then <laughs> after that, you know, I, I starting business ventures. And I, I just think that my, if, if we You're have just a punk. I get. I, you know, I'm not though. I mean, I, I you know, I, I thought I was. You know, I, I, that was like that's how like a comic book nerd becomes cool when you're not good at sports. You like get it. <laughs> I, 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 I guess I think my mission on this planet is to really help great ideas get known, and there are so many great ideas that just aren't framed the right way and aren't packaged the right way, and and don't have this this kind of thing around it. And I, I, I feel that. You have people out there who, like you said, aren't good artists, or even worse, they're 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 malevolent forces, yeah. or they're sociopaths who have an inherent grasp on this, and they manage to get a following and and have an impact. And I feel like other people who might have more of a conscious or might have certain outdated concepts about the purity of art or whatever feel that they're reluctant to really get their stuff out there. And this is nothing new. Everyone knows you have to market your stuff, but I feel mm -hmm. like these, this thing that I've cracked is so powerful and can be used for good. And I truly want to put this in the hands of the right people. Yeah. You know, I, I really do. Now, of course there's the ancillary benefits too of a, I, I want to write a book because I'm a writer and I'm fascinated by the topic, and B, it's great for my business. I mean, that's another element oh, yeah. of why you have to be an authority totally. and a perceived authority. Totally. But, yeah. I love all of that. And it's also going to get people away from, you know, going towards other books that are leading them down the wrong path for whatever they want to do or whatever their idea is. Because what you're proposing seems to work across any industry because it's like a general strategy or general tactic. Yet a lot of marketing books are very specific about what you should do this, this, and this, and then that should work. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I mean, look, there, there's a place for those books. I mean, right now I'm reading one of those books because right now, you know, um, Facebook ads and sales funnels are a really effective tool, and, and I want to know how they work. So, oh, God, uh, sales funnels? That also makes my stomach turn. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and uh, I don't want to be the one to implement them, but I yeah. have to understand them. But I'll tell you, in a year and a half, the, the, there's not. it's going to look totally different. I mean, everyone was blogging, then it was Snapchat, now Snapchat's yes. then So you got to know that stuff, mm -hmm. sort of, especially if you're in my line of work. But it's, I think, more important to your point, to be armed with the stuff. Because you can go out and get those technical skills. Sure. But you can't really get the sort of mind shifts that mm -hmm. happen. It's like the 48 Laws of Power by Robert. Oh, Trump. yes. That's never going out of style. Right. And I have a copy right here. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. It's <laughs> so it's book. really about the, the psychological piece behind it and really looking at it from that umbrella perspective rather than, you know, simply, you know, doing this or that for your website feed, et cetera, or placing this ad here. Or there and I love that and you can combine all of them I guess and, and be an extra powerhouse yeah yeah that's the thing I mean I, I think you know you, you know you you 
you know, if you're building a house, you still want a hammer and a screwdriver and a saw, but it probably makes sense first to learn how, you know, right. Some basic right. ideas of how, I, you know, don't, not to put the small part of the house on the bottom. Yeah. You know? Has there been anyone out there that you have as have targeted as a dream client or somebody you'd love to work with? And, and you're just like, man, I know I could turn around their business. Gosh, you know, um, I really, I don't know. That's a great question. And I'm not, I'm not sure if I have an answer because a lot of the companies that I admire a great deal have already cracked this piece. That's why I admire Mm. them. Like, um, you know, there was this record company sub pop in the nineties that kind of invented grunge and they had this really unique sort of hype based marketing that, that I really admired but there are definitely people that I've been talking to who I feel we can do really great work for and who are in our sales pipeline and things like that. But mm-hmm. no, I, I think I, I've, I've, I have, I'm always focusing on learning from the companies that, that I think have done it. Have already done it. Yeah. yeah. And then just spinning that back to your clients, which is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Not that my clients, I mean, I, clients have to be at a certain level of success to work for us because we cost money. So it's not yes. like, you know, these well, people. Well, you and I had that discussion, Michael. Yeah. You were like, exactly. oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'll be back, though. I'll be back, Michael. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, right. Exactly. I mean, you know, look, there, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. I mean, this is not about, <clears throat> this is not the only way to market yourself. This is the way to cause a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Big difference. Yeah. So you just get it to a certain level, and then you would take it to, like, you are now yeah, at, the, no. at the national level or international level. Now, again, our company focuses a little bit on micro niches, you know, I mean, we will, we'll, we'll blow you up and make you the authority in the energy load forecasting space. And that's a literal, you know, because we, a lot of these companies don't have the budgets to do an entire nationwide Mm, blitz, but you don't have to, the in crowd, we've all said it's a small world, right? I used to be in the call center industry, such a brass tax industry. Mm -hmm. And there was a call center everywhere, but people, everyone knew everyone in this world, everyone, same hotels. And it's like that in every world. There's usually like 30 people who hold all the influence. So it's about getting that narrow niche. And then it looks like you're everywhere at once. But when you're going to the national level where it's like a whole, when you're talking about like financial services, well, that's massive. That's a little tougher. It can be done, but you need more dollars and you Mm -hmm. need. I love it. So that's where your name came from. Microfame Media. Exactly. I love it. Uh Uh Aha. It's all come full circle. I love your journey. I love what you're doing now. I love your mission for your life and your purpose that you have, that you are actually implementing. So many people think, you know, oh, I'm here on this earth to do this, but unfortunately I can't because I have to have a day job or whatever. You have turned it into reality for yourself. And so I admire that. Well, it means a lot because that was not always the case. I mean, I um, was part of a job for a long time that I learned a lot of, but I probably could have stood to have left five years earlier. <laughs> yes. And I didn't because of fear. So, I mean, I, 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 um, I'm doing that now. And it's really nice to hear from someone like you um, because there are days, you know, where you beat yourself up for not, you know, you know, for could have done this, should have said that. So it's really nice to hear. But no, I mean, there was a time where I was exactly the opposite guy. Mm-hmm. So. Well, thank you so much for taking time to come on here and to share. This is such an interesting topic. And I'm so glad that you came on to talk about it. And uh, I'm really looking forward to your book that's coming out. When do you anticipate that it's going to be? Oh, it's going to be a while because we I, got, I still got to write the thing. The thing about nonfiction is you sell it on a proposal, not on the whole book. And okay. then you have to write the book. Yep. But 
It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it comes out, you'll come on back on the show to promote it. All right, I, awesome. That would be my pleasure. Thank you. Awesome. Well, once again, thank you for coming on here and spending some time with us. Thank Everybody you. out there, please don't forget, visit Michael's website, Microfame Media. That's fame, like the TV show. Thank you so much, Michelle. Have a great topic you'd like to hear discussed on an upcoming episode of Nothing Off Limits? Email us at ideas at ladyfoxentertainment.com. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate the show, and go to ladyfoxentertainment.com to sign up for our email list and to check out our resources page. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.